Welcome to the newly cleansed and refreshed In The Game podcast, where we invite you to transform your dreams into reality. Every week, we aim to touch, move, and inspire you to new possibilities for your life. My name is Sarah Maxwell, and is it really time for me to now intro my own show? Heck no! Bring in the Aussie talent to get it done. With their groundbreaking first season as The Nat and Sarah Show, the foundation has been laid for a life of manifesting your dreams. Join us as we delve into the nuts and bolts of what it really takes to bring those dream boards into reality. It's time to dust off your dreams and get back in the game of life. Are you a member of the community? Head to Facebook and search In The Game Podcast to download your three-step journal to begin the workshop-style teachings and gain exclusive access to your hosts and featured guests. Get ready to take action on your possibility. Today, we continue the conversation with a launch coach. What is that, you might ask? Stick with me. We will get there. Talia Kate Byron is only 30 years old, and I say that because she dove into the multi-billion dollar self-development and coaching industry when she was only 17. Getting stellar grades in grammar school growing up, she chose a path less traveled than the oft-worn path of university. Instead, she designed her own education. Whether it was a degree in NLP, experiential game design, Vipassana meditation, speech and drama, or micro business design, she kept growing herself. I met TK when a chapter of my life as a pro athlete was coming to a close and I was upskilling with NLP. I was older than she is even now and she was only in her teens. I was totally struck by that. Her level of engagement and participation was inspiring and I was drawn to the spark that she had brimming in her. She Sorry, we have traveled many a PD road together. So PD is personal development, everyone. And I've always been 15 years older than her. How did that happen? I can't seem to like navigate that gap. But here we are again. But this time she's my coach. She is helping me craft my offer and launch my new signature coaching program for women. Just like me called the Awakened Mama those who have dormant dreams that they are ready to wake up again. So I've learned so much from this clever whippersnapper, but her coaching goes so much deeper than what her smart brain can produce. She tunes in when she needs to nail a brief. She has mental clearing processes before she goes goes and does an impact post. She can write copy that just lands with people. And she creates marketing templates that make it easy for someone like me to step my words into. It just comes to life. So clearly I'm a fan. You're getting that. And I know after you hear more about her, you will be too. So TK, are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm almost in tears actually. I'm like, I feel like I've just had a flashback of my entire life. And I'm like, this is my eulogy. I'm like, I'd be good. Right? And now <laughs> you've got a big microphone and cool headset. And what I love about you, TK, is you still have that young vibe. I had to ask her, how old are you anyway? Because you may be lodged in my mind as the 17-year-old. I'm not going to lie. So let's start with some of those younger years, girlfriend. Um, mm-hmm. you know, at school, I know that during school you moved cities. You yeah. were such a strong student the whole way through. What motivation did you have to excel so much at school? 
Um, first of all, it's funny when you said big 30, I was like, oh, is it, is it that big? I was just another number. Um, <laughs> but growing up, um, I had the most beautiful eclectic childhood. I grew up on Magnetic Island off of Townsville, so I caught a ferry to school every day because my mum refused to let us go, so she tells us, um, to go to the island school because, like, the kids didn't wear shoes. And every day I would catch this ferry and there would be kids there who went to Townsville Grammar School. And it was my dream school from the very beginning. Like, their shoes were shiny. They had their socks pulled up. They had this fancy hat. And that was my driving force going through primary school is we actually had an extra tuition teacher who would do like advanced maths and stuff. And every Monday he would come around and I'm pretty sure we talked about maths for maybe 10 minutes and the rest was like ghost stories or like all these other things. And he would stay for dinner because like we'd always go over time. And so I always had this school wasn't the only place that I learned from, I guess, this environment. And so I got a scholarship to grandma, my favorite dream school in grade seven, going into grade eight. And then um, in grade 10, we moved down to Brisbane and my mom gave me the option of either staying in Townsville, but we had to get a bigger scholarship or to move down to Brisbane. So my sister and I both resat that and we both got better scholarships. I think it was like 50% or something. And I didn't want to divide the family. So we moved down to Brisbane mm-hmm. and It's funny because in Brisbane, my marks actually dropped because there was definitely a difference in the schooling system. And it was just a lot of shock value coming from small private, you know, uh, school in Townsville down to like the largest state school in Brisbane, Australia. And what was interesting was I actually was, I call it adopted by the Asians, like this beautiful group of human beings who were like Sri Lankan and Asian, which I hadn't had a lot of exposure growing up in a small, you know, northern um, town or city and they actually had extra tuition outside so that's kind of where it began in Brisbane is I just got adopted by these beautiful um, non-judgmental group of friends and they became my humans wow and do you know that Nat has that same story she I really she never called it adopted by the Asians I'm going to tell her that because she also her and the math gurus they just hung out together so there oh. you go it was amazing because, like, the Australians that I was introduced to, like, the, the white Australians, um, you know, the moment the form class was over, like, the very first day, they kind of left. And the first two days of high school, I didn't actually go to the toilet while I was at school because I didn't know where the toilet was. The school was so big. It was over two campuses. And I ate lunch with, like, the grade eights and stuff like that. And it was only on, like, the second or third day, one of the girls, and we're still friends to this day, um, she was like, hey, do you want to come hang out with us? I was like, yes, please. So that's kind of where it came from is like from primary school and then coming all the way through to high school, I just happened to land in those group groups of friends. And I think it makes a huge difference who you kind of hang out with at that stage. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how I, I can put it to it. Just right place, right time. So Nat's mom is famous for telling me all about Magnetic Island. She actually met Nat's dad there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. We didn't know that about each other, did we? So I just am visualizing you living over there. I didn't know you grew up there. So what did you used to dream about besides having high pulled up white socks and fancy shoes? What else did you dream about being when you were a little girl? So I loved Xena Warrior Princess growing up. And I used to always volunteer to clean our family pool because they would have those big sticks that you like used to scoop the leaves out of. And I think we went through about 10 of them in one year because what I would do is I'd be like that, hi 
And I like bury the stick in the pool and try and leap from one side of the pool to the other, like catapult myself, almost like Olympic, I don't know, volley. Pole vaulting. Pole vaulting. Yeah. And the, the snicks would always sta- snap. Um, so that was definitely, there's definitely some sort of warrior spirit in there. And then for some reason, I also thought I wanted to be a forensic scientist, a detective, or the first female in the SAS. And it's funny looking back now because I cannot stand a sight of blood or vomit. So I don't know how I would go with being a forensic detective. Um, but Do you know what you saw that made you think you wanted to do that? I like the mystery and the intrigue and the every day was different. Okay. And then I think the thing with the SAS is like, I don't know, I just like the idea of being pushed outside my comfort zone. I think that's why I like personal development so much is because you kind of don't know where that next edge is going to be, but you know, there is one. So I guess that does lead me to a girl in grammar school with an OP3. So you can explain what that means. So Nat gave me a lesson this morning when I oh, asked did she? her. Um, yeah. So um, when you graduate high school, everyone has these different grades in Queensland. It's like OP1 to 25 I think so OP1 was the top one and coming down to Brisbane in grade 10 I was on track for an OP1 um my marks kind of started slipping a bit um because I just got so culturally shocked and then didn't I know some things happened not bad things just like I kind of lost my way a bit in grade 10 11 12 um but I was still on track to get a relatively good OP and it was actually in April of my final year of high school that things went AWOL because I went to my first personal development course, which was Breakthrough to Success with Chris Howard, which is where we met in that community. And I discovered NLP. And I had been on track to get into psychology at University of Queensland. And I was like, mom, this is what, this is the dream. And so for 12 years, we've been going towards this dream. Like I'd finally nailed down the uh, forensic scientist and all that down to psychology. And I discovered NLP right before term one holidays. And I said, mom, I don't want to go to university anymore. I want to go study NLP. So literally like imagine the last 12 years of high school extra tuition. See you later. And so that last year was incredibly hard because I'd almost checked out of school because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I just wanted to be in personal development environments. So bless my mother's soul for having so much grace because she was the one who actually introduced me to PD. And then I hear I want to be like, hey jokes the dreams changed plot twist and did it take courage for you to tell her that or were you really convicted and sure um I think uh she could see it in my eyes like um the story behind it is she actually bribed me I thought she joined a cult she was like you have to come to this thing and I was like what is this thing and like I've been pretty open growing up um like you know mom's the crystal woman and all this like corporate job but just like had always had crystals and you know animal cards and all sorts of things and um, she's like, look, you can have a block of chocolate and a day off school if you come to this. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday where the event was hosted was directly opposite my high school. She's like, if you hate it, you can always go back to school or just go home. And I was like, we oh, strike a hard bargain. And I walked in. I'm a pretty kinesthetic person. Like I love a good hug, but like it was the first time I kind of be in an environment where like high fives and hugs were like the thing. And so I was a little bit like, oh, hello. But the thing that got me to stay was about 34 seconds in, I heard Bon Jovi. And I was like, oh, this is a pretty cool place. And it was, they were blasting Bon Jovi music over the speakers. He wasn't actually there. 
And so I'm pretty sure I stuck around that first day or that first 10 minutes because of Bon Jovi and I just fell in love with it. So there and was because- no drama that there was a lot of adults, like that you were the only young teenage person there? The only drama that really happened was the fact that 2,000 people said my name wrong the first day. And so that's actually where TK was really born, like this persona. Like if you said Talia versus TK, it was actually interesting hearing you say my name. I was actually going to say it. I know. It was really, I was like, no, you said it correctly, A. And B, it was weird though, because I don't associate you with Talia. I associate it with TK. And there's something different that happens within my biology when someone says TK versus Talia. And Talia was almost brought up in this personal development environment where a lot of things are possible and, you know, you just break through your barriers. Whereas Talia is kind of like what I've had for a lot of my life. Um, And very few friends know me as TK from my non-personal development world. Um, And so with mom, I think it was just, it was just, I was so alive. It was so where I was meant to be. And she just felt that. So to answer your question, but yeah, there's something different about, um, yeah, the names and what it brings out in people as well. And I, it's funny because I never call you Talia K. (laughs) (laughs) My mom's the only one that calls me. It's when I'm in trouble, she's like, Talia K. And I'm like, I need to run as far away as possible. Yeah, it is funny because for me, it's not you. But I am curious, now that you're 30, the big um, Mm 3-0, and you look over the 13 years where you were developing different aspects of yourself. Yeah. Could you put into words how it is transformed who you are today? I think the biggest thing I'm most grateful for the last 13 years is having been introduced to the world of personal development so young. And the reason being is I was given tools that helped me process what was going on and opened my mind to possibilities. Prior to going to like PD, like, you know, I'd literally been you know, on the track to go to university, get a job. And that's what happened. And the reason why that first event was so profound for me is I was like, wait, what is this thing called an entrepreneur? I legit thought it was like a French scientist. I came back and I was telling all my friends, like, Hey, I'm doing this thing. And they're like, so you're going to become an entrepreneur. I'm like, no, that's like a French scientist. They're like, what are you talking about? It's what you're doing. So I didn't have a name for it, but every time I go to one of those events, something else opens up for me. Like there's always more available. And I think the other thing that was the biggest gift was I learned how to be more in acceptance and surrender. And in doing so, I found people that could also hold that space for me. Um, I know there's definitely a difference in the vibration, but just the feeling of being around certain people that I, I almost have to check in and be like, is this a person that can hear this conversation or is this a person I can get support from? Um, because not everyone has like an open mind or can hold space or can ask constructive questions or can put their stuff aside to kind of help you evolve as a human being. So I think definitely ways of thinking and the people I've met have been completely game changer and I would not change a single thing for the world because Mm. of that. Do you ever run into like someone your age who, I don't know if this happens, but basically they went on the track you were going to. So Mm -hmm. they went to uni, maybe they even went to psychology. This is hilarious because I have a psych degree, Um, maybe I'm that person. So you meet them, they're your age. Do you notice anything different? Do you ever feel like you don't relate to people your age? I, I chuckle a lot. Um, I think just because 
everything they kind of come to. Like, you know, I think a lot of people now um, have forgotten how they can self-govern. Like they've forgotten how to tune into their own body and ask questions and be like, is this really mine or what's really going on here? And we're so used to now treating the surface level either with medication or like, you know, some people only just discovering meditation, for instance, and things like that or journaling. And it's like these are all things that have been routine for me or I've been aware of for so long. So um, it almost throws me sometimes. Like I assume even some of my closest friends, I'm like, oh, wow, like you have a judgment around that or you you have that going on. And I think probably one of the biggest blessings, twofold actually, is both having kids right now. I don't have the belief that my body clock is ticking. So many other friends of my age, especially because we're the big 3-0, which doesn't even sit within my body, um, feel like they're on a, a ticking clock. Mm. And the other thing is around getting a house. It has never been one of my dreams. Mm. And everyone around me is buying houses or feels the pressure to buy a house. But for me, that my money is going elsewhere more than likely into investments around education and like mentors. And so I think just having that discernment of being like, is this my dream or not? That's probably the thing that really differentiates is that I can at least have the tools to articulate that where some people just kind of feel so lost in their own world because they just don't have the tools to even start. And also they're probably 13 years behind and everyone falls into this whenever they're meant to. Like I had so many people that would come up to me in a seminar and be like, I wish I had these tools at your age. Mm -hmm. So you discover it when you're mentor, it's part of your journey. And also because I've been able to unpack stuff kind of as it comes along versus like unpack 30 years of baggage, it definitely makes a difference. So in light of that, it wasn't always smooth trajectory, right? It wasn't like, Oh, I launched, you know, I'm the 19 year old launching things. I mean, you brought this up yourself because I don't necessarily have a judgment about this, but you wanted to share about working at the cinema as a duty manager. You had responsibilities, but as duty manager at the cinema for over 10 years. And for you, that mm-hmm. was there was something that you really were growing from there. So can you share that with us? Yeah. So um, what a lot of people don't either, if they've met me as TK, it's like, it's like two sides of like the same coin. If you knew me as Tilly, you probably didn't know about the, the TK side of the world. And if you knew TK, you probably didn't know the other side is um, I refused to get a corporate job. When I discovered my purpose, uh, what felt like my purpose at that time and it's grown and evolved at 17, I was like, I'm not getting a corporate job. I'm not going to sell out of my dreams. And the big reason why that was a thing is during that event, I saw a woman who at the age of 50 um, had gone on stage and shared with Uh, the entire audience that she had lived for 45 years with the belief of I'm not good enough. And the way that she had come about that was she was about five years old and she'd been asked to, um, she'd asked her dad, how can I earn some pocket money, you know, for some lollies? And he had given her the job of um, washing the car. And so she'd gone away, done the best job she can or could, came running back in and all she can remember from processing that moment was her dad pointing out all the different um, all the different places she had missed. And so some level at five years old, she unconsciously processed that no matter what I do, I'm never going to be good enough. And um, for 45 years, she had, you know, lived with that belief on a fundamental level. So it stayed in toxic relationships, never asked for a pay rise, was always a cleaner, all these sorts of things. And so I was so determined that no one on my watch would ever sell out on their dreams again, that at 17, I was like, right, not getting a corporate job. That's not what I'm designed to do. (laughs) And 
I probably shot myself in the foot a few times due to my sheer stubbornness. Um, but as a result, I um, went around, started crewing all over Australia. And the way that I could afford that was having a flexible, casual job. And so at one point I had three jobs. It was McDonald's, a fruit store, and then I finally got this job at the cinema. And I worked my way up. And for 10 years I was there because it allowed me to do the many other things that I was able to do. Like I was a teacher for a few years doing like all sorts of things like with kids and communication skills. I worked for the Australian Acting Academy. Um, I was a keynote speaker on many camps around Australia. And so that job was like the perfect thing for me. It was a safe haven that allowed me to go off and do the things I need to do while providing me with an income. Plus I was also working with young people. So every day I was building them up. I was having conversations with them. And what was really challenging though is seeing, because it was right next to where my old school used to be, um, some of my classmates would come in. They're like, oh, you're still here. Mm. And it was incredibly demoralizing because I had graduated with such a high OP. Bless my grandma to this day. Um, she, she understands now, but she'd be like, so when are you going to go back to university? And this would be a conversation we would have almost every time I spoke with her. So um, that part was incredibly disheartening. Um, and I think if I didn't have tools of looking at, okay, well, what is my purpose or, you know, why am I doing this and able to really neutralize that within myself, I think I probably would be a, a mess. It's good. I, thank you for identifying that because I think ego or maybe living someone else's dream yeah. leads us to make different choices. And I really got that message when you said your grandma really wanted that for you. Yeah. And other students coming in and they have an expectation of, well, someone with an OP3, by the way, for North Americans, it's basically 97%. You know, when she said she slipped, she slipped from the 99th percentile is what that <laughs> explained to me to the 97. Okay. So this is the slip she's describing just more specifically. Um, but yeah, they see someone with like a 97% and they think elitism says, well, you don't work in the cinema. And so what allowed you to make the leap? Because I know it was a leap. I know it took something yeah. for you to go out there and bear yourself and become a launch coach, which was like putting all these skills that you developed, you know, from your marketing and copywriting. And I think I missed that chapter of your life. <laughs> copywriting when, you know, so for yeah. those that don't know, copywriting is like this ability to write so people engage. You know, it's, it's quite amazing when someone's got that skill. So what allowed you to take that leap and, and have, I'm teaching Jordan about bravery. So teach me, mm. teach Jordan to be brave. Okay. You just added that extra layer on. Okay. So I Bye. think from, from, if I was to teach, if I have to share what happened to me is I definitely had people protecting my space. Um, it was only this year when I shared with a girlfriend, um, I was like, Hey, guess how much I made this month? Like, cause there's very few people I can actually have that conversation with. She's like, do you know what? And I was like, what? She's like, for years, you know, there'd be people asking me, what is Talia doing? What is TK? She's a Talia. What is Talia doing with her life? Because all they saw on the outside was the cinema situation. And she's like, just you wait. And like things will turn around and she'll be earning more money than the rest of us. And that's not what it's about. But I know that sometimes money is a measure, measure or metric that people go by. And I didn't realize um, how many people I had in my corner that were protecting me from other people's opinions mm -hmm. and allowing me to have that space to dream. 
Um, it's only recently become evident. So I think that as a parent or as someone who, you know, you have someone in your corner who, you know, has big dreams and they're yet to eventuate, that's definitely a big thing. Um, I Hold think- on, on that, on that, I know you're being protected, but when you went to bed at night, yeah, did you have something unresolved in you that knew there was more or how did oh. you justify within yourself when you're not living your dream? Every day I knew there was something more. Every day. Um, How'd you live with that? A lot, a lot of faith. Um, a lot of faith, a lot of seeking out environments that validated that. People who also knew there was more. And, um, and also being around environments of people who were doing it. Okay. Yeah. I think that's why they say like you become personal junkies, but I think that's why it's because you find your people a hundred percent. It's like that every, every year I find more of my people and there's people like yourself that have been in my corner for like a decade or more. And they're they're people that are there for life. Like, and, and like, I know you said that you're 15 years older or that doesn't even compute for me because we have the conversations that we have that like age is no barrier. But I think if you have, like, you know when there's a calling for more and every day can be a little bit harder. Um, But then one day it just, somehow you just get there. Like to describe how I got here is I actually had a failed teen coaching business while I was doing the cinema. I remember running my first event and I thought it was the most magical thing ever. I had sponsors. I had people like, you know, sponsored CDs and makeup and magazines. Like it was a freaking party, but a party that only like my mom and my best friends came to. And I was like, and they weren't teens. And it completely tore me up inside. I was like, maybe I'm not meant for this. And so that's why I started then being on other people's stages. Um, But the whole time I never stopped learning about marketing and messaging and making a difference and purpose and hearing other people's stories and being like okay literally like I know it's cliche but if they can do it surely I'm like destined for something a little more than this and then um the what really put me over the edge is uh I was at the cinema my boss who like was like almost a dad to everyone he was like hey I'm thinking of quitting um or like you know he was reaching his wits ends he's like so you'd be the next one to kind of adopt the cinema and I was like, oh, hell no, this is like, this is not my path. It's almost like, you know, uh, like Kung Fu Panda when like he's meant to like, you know, take over his dad's like noodle business and you just know it's not your path. And I was like, I am not going to be a cinema manager for the rest of my life. So I started looking for jobs and I got into a copywriting marketing agency. And then turns out definitely was not designed for corporate, cannot wake up at 8 a.m. Like it's not a thing. And um, the whole time I was just helping friends on the side launch their ideas or bring their ideas to life. When they'd be like, hey, I have this calling for this. And we just start talking about it. And I was like, did you know you could do this and this and just marrying all the things together until one day I had two separate people approach me being like, I need to work with you. I'm like, sorry, I've got no time. I've got this job. And they're like, literally quit your job. I'm like, no, I like security too much because up until this point, and you have to understand, um, since I was 15, I've had a paycheck every fortnight. Mm. And that sense of security is one of my most fundamental things, like especially because generally paycheck comes in 
and then money goes out to a course to learn because it's one of my biggest things. I never stopped being a student, um, even if it wasn't from a university perspective. And so I one sauna, a girlfriend took me to a sauna and she's like, this is what's happening. And she backed me. She's like, you know, how much is your rate? And I was like, huh. 30 40 an hour but then if I work for more than 10 hours a week then it goes down to like 35 and she's like what is this weird math mathematics gymnastics and I was like I don't know and that was August 2019 so just over a year ago at the time of recording this wow and cool yeah and so within a year like things have just grown exponentially um people have just landed in my lap and I've had the most incredible humans ever but it, it doesn't it's just stuff that I've all, I've, I've accumulated or I've known. I've just been assimilating for 10 years. It's almost like, you know, you go, everyone goes through their uni degree and something like they're a doctor. Like, you know, it's, I've just been doing all these other things and then I've just kind of been brought, bringing it all together and to this system now. So that's kind of how I got here. You so know, I'm really. having this like awakening as you're sharing because yeah. cl- first of all, you launched yourself. Yes. Requires great courage, which Correct. I'm experiencing. And what that's what I love about you is that you have even processes for launching yourself isn't just about putting a post up on Facebook. It's oh no. That's the physical nature of it. But there's this whole emotional thing we do to sabotage it, to hold it back. And so on this, the awakening I'm having around you is the difference between you actually knew every single thing that you've been doing this past year. But on some level, you hadn't put it into existence. So it was like this element of like putting it into tangible existence and then marrying it to real people. To me, that's existence personified. You know, then your course lives as a testimony. We -hmm. literally get testimonials from other people. Yeah. And I think, in my view, this is where the real courage and bravery lives, you know, because you've had great success. You've launched people, you know, people that have ideas and and things they want to share and and they actually get united with the people that want it. You know, that's huge. Yeah. But you've also had moments where it doesn't work. Like what are some of the differences that you've noticed between a successful product launch and the one that falls on deaf ears? Good question. I think the biggest distinctions I've received from having gone through this is, first of all, the intent to which people come in. Um, I It is very rare now I'll work with someone who needs a course or a program or their genius launched into the world for the sake of money. Um, because what happens is when you need money, this weird, desperate energy kind of like mutates and people feel that even like, you know, you don't have to go on and meditate on a couch or a seat for 10 days to, to feel that. Like you just feel, it just feels funny. Um, so that is definitely one thing is the intent you go into it. And I found the most successful people have already have a relationship with their audience. It doesn't have to be in that realm. Like I know for you, Sarah, you have a few different things going on, but people like you're actively in conversation with people. It's not like you've just popped up overnight Mm-hmm. And, um, and you've always been like people who have always been giving, always been showing up. That definitely helps as well, because people are used to seeing you and it's just, Hey, there's this new thread or this 
more concise message that's now coming through. Um, And also a willingness to surrender and do it your way. And I think one of the most, some of the most beautiful launches, people have just done it their own way. Um, One client, for instance, um, like when you go to launch a program, I generally recommend like a seven day launch. Um, So the doors are open for seven days and that's when you can enroll. And during that time, you have some communication to send out generally in the form of emails. And I remember the day before a client was due to launch, I messaged her. I'm like, hey, things have been a little bit quiet on your end. I've checked in a couple of times. You said you're good. I'm just checking that we're good to send out like that first email tomorrow. And she calls them letters. She's like, oh, those letters I was meant to write. And I was like, yes, the letters. She's like, no, I haven't written those. And I was like, what, what? You haven't, (laughs) not one? She's like, no, was I supposed to? And I was like, oh, okay. And so for the next few days, like I woke up the next morning, helped her out with the letter, but she just did her own thing. And it was the most beautiful, successful launch Hmm. and successful financially, five figures, but also just the people that she attracted and stuff. So I think at the end of the day, it's all well and good to have these systems and these formulas, but I always honor and respect and ask my clients to tune into their wisdom, their intuition and their path. But also the thing that you're bringing to the world has its own energy. Your dream has its own energy. My business has its own energy. Everything that I create, if it was like a mini training, would have a slightly different energy And so there's also owning and recognizing that, knowing you're not collaborating by yourself and that there's an energy that you can draw upon, ask for support, go give it a job. To put this in a different context um, is I know like on some sort of weird energetic level, I've got two kids hanging around me. And I was like, for many, many years, I was just not ready. Like going into my early 20s, I was like, I'm not ready for kids. Like, no way, go find your father. Go find your father. And like, that was the job I would give them. Like, go find your father, tell him to go find me. And so with your business, like whenever I'm feeling stuck or in a rut, I'll call mom. She's like, go give your business, like, you know, or your team or your guides a job to do. And so I think there's definitely that. And the people I work best with have that sense of intuition or have some sort of, okay, what's going on for me? Because at every moment, you know what's going on for you, what's true for you, but also you've got your finger on the pulse of your audience. No one else knows that better than you. So I think. But I got to tell people that you have a system to yes. facilitate that because yes. the very first thing I did with you that had me fall in love with you was I actually asked the people that I would love to work with. Mm. I asked them what they want. And yeah. I know this sounds crazy, but I had never done that. And yours was structured. I think that mattered. I think if you had just said, Hey, just call up some friends, you know, no. the people you want to work with. No, you said here, here's the, here's the questions ask them, provide value back. What can you do for them? How is this going to help them? It's not just them giving you info and just that alone. And by the way, I was scared to do that as well. Right. Because you, you said to me, I was thinking, don't we design the program? You say, well, we don't know what the program is. Mm. And I remember you coming back after the interviews being like, oh, I never would have thought of that. Or I never would have like, thought like you niche down even more. And I think even some of your modules changed as well, ever so slightly. Fully, like categorically it changed. And every, like I talked to 10 women that I love and all 10 of them said something that the same thing, by the way, and shocked me. I literally had to highlight it. I'm like, they're all saying the same thing. I, and I was not on the pulse of that whatsoever. And so Mm -hmm. that 
energy that you're talking about, how a program has an energy. I think there's this like thing that you facilitate, which allows that to exist, allows that dream to actually be a dream. Because I think sometimes with me anyways, my head gets it. My, what I have to do, what I should do, all my shoulds from growing up come up and they, it's like they, they take over and there's no space anymore. Like the space you spoke about. And so, by the way, I'm just coming to all that at this exact moment with you um, as a butterfly goes past my window. But um, the thing I would just want to thank you for is having wisdom beyond your years. Um, like you said, I've, I, I bring up the age thing because when I'm with you, I don't feel it. But I just love reminding myself that I'm that cool, that I can be with this, <laughs> <laughs> this youngster. Um, and... Yeah. Is there any last thing that you want to share with people who might be wanting to take a plunge um, into the French entrepreneur space, <laughs> um, but they might be freaking out? What would you say to them? I would say have someone in your corner. And to tie this in perfectly is fun fact. Sarah was the first person that trusted me with her car. She was going over to Fiji with Nat and I was dropping them off at the airport and we had this piece of paper and she was like, Hey, like I said, like my dream was to have a car. And she was like, well, how about you test drive it for a bit? I was like, Oh, I need a car tester. And she's like, have my car for a week. And so we drew up this piece of paper and I still have it to this day. It was like three lines, like TK will look after my car to like the best of her ability. And we both signed this piece of paper and just having someone see me and the future potential of me more than I could see myself and hold that space while I kind of figured it all out was one of the biggest gifts I think I've ever been given. And so bringing it back to your calling or your genius, just know you don't have to be a business person. You don't have to have it all figured out. If you have something inside you that you could teach people or that comes naturally or that you have a calling, whether it's me or someone else, reach out to someone and just have a conversation. Because there's something about when you take whatever's inside you and start talking about it with someone or even better yet, I know, Sarah, you experienced this for yourself when you did those interviews. When there is someone in front of you that you can help and you realize you can easily help them, you get out of your own way because there's someone that you can help. And then when you realize that they'll happily exchange value and money for that, and there's so many more people that are struggling with the same problem or thing that you can help with, um, that's how businesses or impacts or change is made. Not from like, you know, thinking it through, but almost feeling it through. And definitely having people in your corner to hold that space while you figure it out. It's just invaluable. You're awesome. Well, I wanted to, well, I did cry twice during this conversation. So thank you. But I want to say one last thing, because I feel that I was looking for the interplay between helping someone and actually putting a monetary value on it. You talked about that for yourself, Mm. but I've just gotten that you do that beautifully because when you're interviewing someone and there's that sense of, I can help you Mm. to me, that's just done freely, you know, like 
for me to actually learn about a sales message, to actually put a financial number to that with meaning and no meaning has been the biggest growth. And so just, you know, if you're in your forties like me or your TK in the sauna, she was in her twenties. So she was 29 then, but whatever it takes. I mean, I think that that's, again, being in existence for me is actually creating something that people can access and that Mm. I put value on monetarily. And um, so thank you for that gift. I'm having lots of revelations on the record button. So thank you. Hang on. One sec, one sec before you go. Yep. Um, On the value piece is you won't nail the number first out. Like I, I was like a 35, 40 per hour situation. And within 12, every single time you exchange value and you deliver that value, you step more and more cellularly into your into your your worth and your um your impact so just start with a number and know that you can grow from that number as well Mm -hmm. on that note like your prices will go up but you don't have to nail your price and come at some like you know just just pick a number and start yeah well said well Mm -hmm. said okay so you can all see we could go on on and on but (laughs) then we'll just have her back so Thank you, Miss Badass Being, by the way. Thank you. We'll give you that in the show notes, what that's all about. TK Byron, love your work. Love you too. We so appreciate you listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community on Facebook by searching In The Game Podcast. There you can download your three-step journal and participate in our weekly live video chats. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.